today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith God assures that He watches over the days of our life. The days of our lives. He watches over it. So someone backstabs you. You bless them. And you pray for them. Someone puts a a burden and they are a burden on you. You ask God, how may I bless them? How may I help them? Reaching up high with arms open wide we see. You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and Do you ever feel like God isn't listening to your prayer? In today's message, Pastor Ed encourages us to be different from the world, be sensitive to the needs of others, and respond to them in a caring and loving way. When we follow Christ's example, the Bible promises we'll inherit a blessing. God will hear our prayers. So we need to look for ways to meet the needs of others and connect with those who are lost. James writes of the freedom and confidence we have in Christ as he governs our life. Now here's Pastor Ed with part two of today's message entitled, Inheriting the Blessing. Building in faith. Sometimes we just simply don't pay attention to the things that we should do and could do, and we miss the blessings that could be ours. And sometimes they come in ways that you simply wouldn't expect them to come. Uh, There was one man, he was going to Jerusalem, he was going to keep the feast of the Passover, and he saw a crowd, and they were headed towards Golgotha. And there was a man carrying a cross, stumbling under the weight of it. A soldier constrained him, as soldiers could, and he said, you carry the cross. Well, all the ridicule and mockery that was heaped on Jesus as he was carrying the cross was now heaped on this man, Simon of Cyrene. What seemed like a burden really would be a blessing because Simon became a Christian and his family. And it was an experience in his life that turned his life around. Walking in the footsteps of Jesus is never, never easy, but that's the way you inherit the blessing. That's the way you receive what God has for you. And so what Peter is doing is saying, listen, I I want to give you this portrait of qualities that represent the master. That if you live out, you'll inherit a blessing. In verse 8, he names five things that we are to do. This is our action. This is how we are to act. In verse 8, finally, all of you live in harmony. There's the conductor. He's leading the orchestra. And every piece, every instrument is playing their part right. Watching the conductor. The violinist, the cello, the harp, on and on it goes. They're all playing their part. 
To live in harmony means you're listening to the orchestra leader. You're attentive. You're watching Jesus at the Last Supper prayed. Pray for you and me. He prayed for his followers. Listen to his words in verse 23 of chapter 17. May they be brought into complete unity. God prayed for his church that we would be unified. One heart, one mind, one soul. Doesn't mean uniformity, but it does mean unity. We are bent on seeing Christ return, and we are living in expectation that Jesus Christ will come back again, and one day we'll be blessed as He rewards us for our faithfulness. So, this idea of community living in unity, as believers, we're called to live in harmony. Seven times in the book of Acts, you read, they were in one accord, 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 they were in one accord. Being in one accord is so important in the church. It's so important in your home. If the wife is going one way and the husband is going another way and the children are going their way, you have a mess. What we need to look for in the church, in the home, in our relationships is for common ground, not the battleground. So we're with one heart, one mind, one accord. We're an answer to Jesus' prayer. And he goes on and he takes something else. Look at the list. The second, be sympathetic. What he's referring to here is what Paul spoke about. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Learning to enter into the feelings of other people. Someone is broken. And maybe they're broken because they've sinned themselves and they brought the situation upon themselves. Or maybe it's just because on the journey this happened to them. They were impacted. But you enter into sympathy. That means you feel their pain. Now, it doesn't mean you always alleviate their pain. Now, parents, you know what I'm talking about, right? Sometimes you have to discipline the children, and because they cry doesn't mean you don't punish them. Part of maturity in our lives as Christians is the ability to recognize God's voice, to discern what he says to us. But we never lose the ability to weep with those who will weep. But the harder thing is to rejoice with those who rejoice at work. You and Joe have been in competition for a position. Joe gets it, you don't get it. Uh, I should have got it. He hasn't been here as long as I. I should have had uh, favoritism, whatever. Rejoice with him. Thank God for what happened. I've been praying for... So many years of my healing. I didn't get healed. And they got healed. Rejoice with them. See, being sympathetic means you enter into their joys and you rejoice with them. You enter into their sorrows and you weep with them. That ability to sympathize. The ability to 
identify with other people. The next, he talks about a love for one another. Uh, he, he talks about love as brothers. Philadelphia is uh, the word that comes from the word filio. This is talking about brotherly love. What should characterize believers? Jesus said, you are to love one another as... Say it again. I, I, that's right. How did Jesus love you? Unconditionally. It's a community. So whether this person is from Singapore, or whether they're from Tokyo, or whether they're from Beijing, or wherever they are, if you're a Christian, you're born of God, and there's an interconnection that you have with other people. And this brotherly love connects you. This sisterly love connects you and it creates community. And so what Peter is saying is the church ought to be characterized as a loving, caring community where Christians are helping, caring, loving one another. He goes on and he uses another word, another characteristic, the fourth one, compassion. The idea is tender-hearted. You love people from deep within inside. Jesus saw the crowds and he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were hurting. I remember going to a funeral out west. There at the funeral, the family was sorrowing, but the funeral directors, those working, were smiling and laughing and joking. I guess because they had seen so many funerals, they forgot that this family was broken and hurting and bleeding. Peter is saying, never lose the ability to be compassionate. Sometimes for those who work with hurting people, and you get compassion fatigue. Peter is saying, don't get to the place where your heart is hardened And you lose the ability to feel people's pain. Be compassionate towards others. Who does this sound like? What's his name? It's a portrait of Jesus. It's a portrait of what Christ is like. And so Peter is saying, this is how you live in your home. This is how you live in your community. This is how you live at work. This sense of being compassionate towards those who are hurting. Well, they get what they deserve. <laughs> no. They may be getting what they deserve, but you still are compassionate towards people. Now, he moves on to another one that is so important. Now, Peter knows what he's talking about in this verse. He knows what he's talking about in all these verses. But in this verse especially, what's the next one? Be humble. Peter, look at him in the Gospels, brash, self-confident, proud. None of the disciples ever venture out to correct their master. Peter does. Lord, you'll never do that. Peter, overconfident, though all men forget you, all men forsake you, not me. Well, Peter learned a few things. You know, we're told by the early church fathers that 
the Gospel of Mark was really the memoirs of Peter. Peter and Mark were companions, and they would go around together. And especially as they traveled uh, the Roman Empire, in Peter's latter years, he would tell the stories of Jesus. And so the Gospel of Mark reflects, according to uh, the church fathers, it reflects the teachings of Peter about the life of Jesus. Now, if you study the Gospel of Mark, you're going to notice something. It's not very flattering about Peter. For example, in the Gospel of Mark, there's no mention of Peter walking on the water. It doesn't put him in the best light. It shows him rebuking his master and his master, Jesus, saying to him, Get thee behind me, Satan. And when it deals with his betrayal, I mean, it puts Peter in such a light. You see his weaknesses and frailties. What happens when a person knows their heart? When they know their own sinfulness, they walk humbly. They're not as judgmental of others. See, when you know your sinfulness and you know that you're a sinner and you know what's inside of you, you're not looking down on everybody else. Peter had learned. Now, These are marks of maturity. Now, being a Christian for many years doesn't mean we're mature. Being a Christian for many years, I think some people get stuck at a certain age level. Some Christians, I'm afraid to say that they're stuck in the terrible twos. Uh, they, they just haven't got out of it. You got to mature. You got to grow up. And, and all of us fail in areas. But what Peter's saying, learn to live in, in harmony with other people, in unity. Have the same mind. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ. That's what Paul talks about in the book of Philippians. He talks about having the mind of Christ in our relationship with others who took upon himself the form of a servant. He talks about being sympathetic, loving the family of God, and being compassionate and being humble. Uh, it was Gordon McDowell, Gordon McDowell, who was uh, talking to Dr. Reese. Dr. Reese and Edith had been married 60 years. And he asked him, do you have fights? Oh, yeah, we have fights, you know. And he told them about something that happened recently. What happened is... Uh, Edith had just run a stop sign and her husband's heart just went right to the bottom and he thought, oh, we're going to die. And he got fearful. And and he said, Gordon said, well, did you say something to her? He said, well, no, no, I've learned about my wife when to say something to her. So I said, honey, we're going to go home and take a little nap and afterwards I have something to talk to you about. (laughs) And so he said, well, what did you say? Uh, why didn't you just tell her? He said, well, my wife, when she was real young, her father would speak to her in a harsh tone. And whenever she hears a male voice, and it's harsh, it brings back those memories. And Gordon turned and looked at Dr. Reese and said, Dr. Reese, she's 90 years old. And she's still, he said, especially now. 
What Peter is saying, dwell with people with understanding. Know how to deal with them. And, uh, of course, Dr. Reese did talk to her after. They took their nap and everything was okay. So, know how to deal in your house. Know how to deal with others in the church. Know how to deal with other people at work. But he, he doesn't stop there. This is how we are to act. Would you say that to me? This is how we are to act. Harmony, sympathetic, Love as brothers, compassion, humble. Here's how we are to react. In verses 10 through 12, he talks about that. In verse 9, he says, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. There it is. Don't you want to inherit the blessing? The blessing is found on walking in that road of suffering and walking a certain way. Walking with that sense of humility, with that sympathy, with that brotherly love, with that compassion, with that humility. You want to respond, you want to react, but you don't react and you don't respond. You don't move in the flesh, you move in the spirit. And then you react a certain way. Verses 10 to 11. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from what? Now, wait a minute. Think about that word, evil. When I think of evil, I think of murder. I think of rape. I think of adultery. I think of, uh, you know, uh, all sorts of... What does he call evil? What does the text say? What is Keep his tongue from, notice, his evil and deceitful speech. He connects it with our speech, and he connects it with our deeds. He must turn from evil and do good. In other words, our words, watch what we say. We will give account of every word that we say. Wow. All of us have a lot to repent of. We have to watch, as Christians, how we speak. Psalm 141 Verse 3 is a good guard for us. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Start the day off like that. Take Psalm 141, verse 3. Read it at noon. And and read it before you go home. And Lord, put a door over my lips. Help me to be careful in what I say. But then also our deeds. Careful how we live and what we do, our actions. Oftentimes, we want to respond to people. Oh, they said this. Oh, I got something to say to you. You know, we get in a a fight at home. We're playing tennis soon. We're just hitting it back and forth at each other. Oh, all right, you said that. I'll top you with this. And all of a sudden, it escalates. And we started off as just a small skirmish ends up in World War III. It's like... The husband and wife, that fight and fight and fight. And they're so upset with each other that they're not talking to each other. One day goes by, two days go by, five days go by, seven days go by. And neither one is talking to each other. And the husband has an important flight that he has to take. He has to go out of town. And he does not want to break the silence. So he decides he's going to write his wife a note. I need to be up tomorrow morning at 5 o'clock for an important flight. And he puts it right on her nightstand. And he goes to sleep. He gets up the next morning. It's 9 o'clock. He missed the flight. He is furious. He's going to tell her off. 
But then he looks at his stand and written there, it's five o'clock, wake up. We've got to be careful with our words. We've got to be careful with our words. We don't want to have tit for tat. We, we want to be careful. He's saying, our prescription, how do we act towards others? We don't repay evil for evil. Someone turns you wrong, you turn them right. And then he goes on to talk about why we can do this. Because we could be confident that God's going to hear us. A confidence that God governs our lives. The idea is this. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. God assures that he watches over the days of our life. The days of our lives. He watches over it. So someone backstabs you. You bless them. And you pray for them. Someone puts a a burden, and they are a burden on you. You ask God, how may I bless them? How may I help them? Christians are to be very different than the culture in which they live. We're to be very different in how we live out our lives. So someone blasts you. You bite your tongue instead of speaking biting words. That's what we are to do as believers, as Christians. And if you live that way, you have the assurance that you'll inherit a blessing. And if you live that way, guess what? God's going to listen to your prayers. He's going to hear you. Sometimes what happens is our carnality comes through in our prayers. Somebody offends us. We get on our knees. Oh, God, bring the wrath of heaven down on them. Burn them up in fire, oh, God. They've offended me. That's not the way we ought to pray. The way we ought to pray is this. God, be merciful to them. Help them, Lord. Help them to maybe find the right direction. And, And God, if I come across them, may I be kind to them. See, that's the way we are to pray. Now, I know what you're thinking. I could see it on some of your faces, Pastor. That is okay for the church. You work in the church, and you work with nice people, but if you work where I work, I'd be another... St- no, wait, wait, all right. Think about what you're just thinking about. Let's say you said, okay, I'm not going to have the same mind. In fact, I'm going to have my own mind. It's going to be my way or the highway. I'm going to be a divider rather than a uniter. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, think about what you're thinking. Well, you know, instead of brotherly love, they do me wrong, I'm going to do them one better. Uh, think about not going this way. Well, instead of being humble, hey, I'm going to let people know who I am. And I'm going to strut my wings. I'm going to be like a peacock strutting the feathers, you know. You begin to say, okay, I'm going to not be sympathetic. Building in faith. 
The book of 1 Peter reminds us that persecution is a part of each Christian's life. Jesus himself faced great opposition in his time, yet he never let it sway his position. As Pastor Ed has reminded us here on Building in Faith Radio, we can learn from Jesus' example and even draw strength from him when the world is turning against us. Jesus is our rock and our comforter and will always be with us. Pastor Ed Jones will continue teaching through the book of 1 Peter on the next edition of Building in Faith. But you can find more messages right now by visiting our website, buildinginfaithradio.com. Be sure to visit our homepage as well, where you will be greeted by a daily scripture and some exciting events coming up for us here at Faith Assembly. We know how important finding a home church is to the Christian walk. And if you've not yet found that for your own life, why not join us? We'd be honored to meet you and share a time of worship and Bible study with you. We gather together each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and again on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Location information and directions are on our website. That address again is buildinginfaithradio.com. As our time with you comes to a close today, we'd like to remind you that you are a child of God and you are valuable to Him. He is there for you always and will answer when you call on Him. May your journey with God be blessed. Pastor Ed will return soon for more from the book of 1 Peter on the next edition of Building in Faith. Your word restores and heals, transforms, rebuilds, and it makes a way that we can be building in faith, building in faith. Everybody wins when a leader gets better. Absolutely everyone. The stakes of leadership are sky high. Everyone has influence. Come to the Global Leadership Summit on August 10th and 11th and learn skills to help you lead transformation in your community. The summit features leaders like Bill Hybels, Sheryl Sandberg, Andy Stanley, and more. Experience the summit at Faith Assembly, Casper Kill Campus, Poughkeepsie, August 10th and 11th. Register at willowcreek.com summit and use the priority code radio, willowcreek.com summit.